Well, happy 4th of July weekend, everyone. You know, no matter what's going on around the world, we still live in the greatest nation that's free, that we're free to worship. We are a blessed people. Today we celebrate the 4th of July as a church family and we are grateful for what God has done and is getting ready to do in America. So today, I just wanna say, God bless America. Can you say amen to that? Before I get started with the message, let me just ask you, how many consider Countryside your church family? Raise your hand. Okay. Oh, number one. Oh, from the peanut gallery up here, okay. Well, last week was a very monumental moment in history, and I wanted to take a moment as a church family to just discuss the overturning of Roe versus Wade. Um, it's a time for us to celebrate what God has done for the cause of life. Let me be clear. Let me be crystal clear. The culture around us will always change but the church is founded on the word of God. The word of God is the foundation of who we are. So the winds may blow here and they blow there culturally, but we always stand on the truth of what God's word says. We're not gonna compromise God's word in today's culture. <laughs> Psalm chapter 139, it says, you were created in my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. We see in scripture where God speaks about man in the womb with purpose and with strength. Jeremiah 1.5, it says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nation. So I wanna tell you as a church what I would encourage you to do. Pray for unity in this nation. Pray for peace in this nation. Don't engage in hatred, in hate speech, in trying to be right in the way that you end on your social media. Last week I had people that emailed me back and forth. They were like, why didn't you say anything this past Sunday? Why I didn't say anything this past Sunday is because we live in a crazy nation. It's volatile right now. And I wanted to really get the mind of Christ before I would share exactly what I wanted to share with you today. But be clear, church, I am pro-life and our church is pro-life and the word of God is pro-life. But as a church, I wanna be a church that is a healing place for people that may have experienced abortion in their past. Oftentimes they feel that they walk into a church and they feel hated and they feel judged. That's not what God's heart is for people that have experienced this and gone through the hurt and pain of divorce and, and abortion. He wants us to heal and restore and to bless. As a church, I want you to know we have raised over two million dollars for the cause of life at the Pinellas County Pregnancy Center, now called the New Life Solutions. Saul Pichon, who passed away earlier this year, dedicated more than 20 years leading the pro-life movement. I personally have raised over $150,000 towards that ministry as we stand for life. Why do we have helping hands? 
Helping hands is to reach people that are struggling. Do you know the percentage of single mothers, mothers that are struggling with their children right now? They need to be loved, they need to be cared for, and they need a church to stand with them. We are a church that is called to stand with women in this culture. So what are we gonna do? Now's not the time for us to pull back. Now is the time for us to do more, to pray more, to believe more, and to put more resources towards women that are in need. It's easy for us to say to women, you need to do it this way, but then offer no help. God's called us to pray with them, stand with them, restore them, but to also help them in their time of need. I want you to know we are going to start reaching out more to foster, foster children and to give opportunity for people that are gonna stand. It's easy to say it, but are we gonna live it with our actions? At Helping Hands, we wanna help. So many of you may have gotten this card in your weekend guide, but if not, what we're gonna be doing is we're gonna take the month of July to have a food drive for Helping Hands, but not only a food drive for Helping Hands, but also to help a ministry that we're partnering with called the Impact Zone that helps struggling mothers with diapers, baby wipes, and formula. We say we're pro-life, then let's be pro-life. And let's reach out to those that are living, those that are in need, that those that need help. And I wanna ask you, a first service, I had almost 100% participation, but how many will join me this month in partnering with Helping Hands and partnering by bringing in diapers and formula and baby wipes to help babies. Thank you, Countryside. We're doing this for the glory of God. How many of you ready to get into God's word today? Do you still love me, church? All right, let's pray. Father, anoint this word today. Give us ears to hear, mold us, and shape us by your word. In Jesus' name, amen. This is week four of a series that we've called Triggered. And I know that I've stepped on a lot of toes during this series. I've stepped on my own toes during this series. As we talk about offense and we talk about anger and we talk about things that upset us, I know this is a good series because more than ever, I've had people reach out to me as they're walking out the door. They'll shake my hand and they'll say, thank you for that message, Pastor. That was just for my husband. I'm like, are you listening? Week one, we talked about offense, to stop being offended. We live in a broken, offended, mad world. And as believers, we have to stop it. Let's be a light, an example in the way that we love, in the way that we process differences. Week two, we talked about those people. You know, you know those people. We all have those people. But at the end of that, we talked about humility and looking inside and realizing maybe, maybe we're one of those people. And to really allow God to shine a light on things that may be ruining our influence with those around us. Last week, Pastor Andrew did a great job on the message that he shared. You're not as right as you think you are. 
But I do want to say this. You are smarter than the average person in church. I just want you to know that. A lot of people weren't voting. When Pastor Andrew asked if I was smarter than the average person, I'm like, yeah, I'm smarter than the average person right here. I want you to know you're better looking than the average person. Hey, receive these things. Receive it. I greet you. You smell better than the average person. I was grocery shopping, and I smelled some badness when I was grocery shopping yesterday. But as you're walking in, I'm thinking, these people smell better than the average person. So you're doing pretty well. But this is week four, and we're talking, and we're going a little bit, diving a little deeper into the area of bitterness. And the message is called, When Bitterness Takes Over. Have you noticed how mad the world is? Everybody's mad at something. You go into the gas station. We're not just mad at the gas prices. We're mad at each other as people are pulling out from the, the pumps and almost hitting each other, going in to get a soda and somebody's yelling at you and bumps into you. People are volatile and they're madder than I've ever seen in my entire life. People are angry with government leaders and the way our government is leading. People are angry with their employers. I'm seeing parents of teenagers. Actually, you've always been angry, parents of teenagers. That's okay. But there was a study done last year, and it was on people that were investigated for airline incidents. So years prior than 2021, the average number of reported incidents on airlines was 143. 143 incidents where they had to be reported of somebody getting mad, doing something stupid, threatening, swinging, cussing, whatever, 143. Last year, there were 3,715 incidents involving unruly passengers with airlines. People are in the airport and they're mad. And on top of being mad, they're drinking. And then they're drunk mad. That's a really, really bad mad, if you know what I'm saying. Well, a couple people said amen. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you see, it almost feels like Bitterness is another pandemic that is affecting our society and our culture. I read a message last week from psychology. It was actually an article from Psychology Today. And this is what it was talking about when it was dealing with bitterness in today's culture. It says, all bitterness starts out as a hurt. And your emotional pain may well relate to viewing whoever or whatever provoke this hurt as having malicious intent, as committing a grave injustice towards you, as gratuitously wronging you and causing you grief. Goes on to say anger and resentment is what we're all likely to experience whenever we conclude that another has seriously abused us, left to foster the righteous anger eventually becomes the corrosive ulcer that is bitterness. Bitterness is something that poisons our soul. People, they wonder, why am I experiencing a lack of joy? Why am I experiencing um, depression or anxiety? What is happening at the very core of your being? Is there something there 
that you're holding on to that's causing you to carry a wound that's turned into bitterness, which turns into a corrosive ulcer of hate towards other people or towards other people groups or towards other nations or towards God. What is it inside of us that is causing that to grow and to burn and to cause such wounds? Hebrews chapter 12, it talks about bitterness here. And I want to give you the context of Hebrews here. The book was written to a group of Christians that the culture had turned against them. So everything they would say, the culture was saying the opposite. And they were at the point where they were ready to throw the towel in because it seemed like nothing they could do would make any headway with the culture of the time. Does that sound familiar? In today's culture, what, what used to be right is wrong. What used to be wrong is right. And what used to be godly is ungodly. And it's a culture that puts us on the defense as believers. And this is right where they are in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 14. And the writer of Hebrews addresses the Christians of the day with this. Knowing that the culture was hard. It says this, make every, everyone say every. It doesn't say make an occasional. It doesn't say make an effort when you feel like it or you're in a good mood or you woke up on the right side of the bed. No, it says make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And then it goes on to say, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. So today what I want to talk about in the time that I have left is I want to talk about a couple of qualities of bitterness and then how do we kill it? I think it's time for us to look at our heart and kill the root that is causing so much suffering within so many people's heart. So here's a couple of qualities of bitterness. Number one in your notes. Bitterness is a hidden destroyer. Notice the author of Hebrews calls bitterness a root. It's a root that goes deep into the soils. Oftentimes we look at people and they look great. They walk in the door and they say, how are you doing? Praise the Lord, I'm doing good. How are you? Praise the Lord. Do you have a good week? I had an amazing, praise the Lord, it was a good week. And from the outside, we can appear like we've got it all together and everything is just fine and dandy. Praise the Lord. But you see, when we allow bitterness to take root at the core, the root is underneath the person. So I want to bring up this oak tree. And I want to show you this the root system of a live oak. A live oak has over a linear mile of roots that go beneath it. And the roots are either going to be healthy or they're going to be sick and diseased. A diseased root system will always cause that tree to die and to blow over and to rot. But you see, we can look at that and put ourselves in the place of that tree. What is your root system? Underneath what everyone sees, underneath what's visible to the people around you, what is deep within the core of your very being in your root system? Is it a forgiving root system? Or is it a system that at the very core is bitterness, hurt, 
pain, and offense. I want you to know, just as a diseased system like this, when we have a diseased system, it's going to affect who we are because bitterness at the very core will disease and poison us not to be the person that God's called us to be. For some people, the offense is small. There's so many little things to, that we allow to bug us. You ever have little just things that were so insignificant, it doesn't even matter, but yet it bugs you? Am I the only one? Elaine, I guess I'm just preaching to me. And it's okay. I wish I could have the camera put my face on so I could just preach to Glenn right now. Something that bothers me. Not everybody, probably not many people. But when I go like to a restaurant and they're, they're gonna seat me and then they call me boss. I don't know why, but if, if I go to get my oil changed and they, hey boss, you know, I, I do this every time. I'll look at Elaine, I'm like, there's people that I'm their boss. That waiter's not, I, I, I'm not his boss. And just silly little thing where every time it will affect my meal. I'm not, Elaine, I'm not, she's like, will you just let it go? I'm like, I'm not their boss though, Elaine. It can be so silly and insignificant, but yet we let little things bug us. But for some people, the offense is deep, it's hurtful, and it's hard to get over it. And it's life paralyzing, and so many people get stuck with their life paralyzed at this wound of offense. It could be a family member's abuse. It could be a spouse's betrayal. It could be a business partner's deception. And you have a hard time getting past it. And you find yourself becoming bitter at the core of your, be your being. There's a cost that's, that's paid. We pay a price for bitterness. I want you to know in that same article, here's some of the things that bitterness causes and the price that many of us are paying because of allowing bitterness to overcome us. It can prolong your mental and emotional pain. It may even exasperate it. It can lead to long-lasting anxiety, depression, and despair. It can precipitate vengeful acts that put you at further risk of being hurt or victimized and possibly engulf you in a never-ending, self-defeating cycle of trying to get even. It can prevent you from experiencing the potential of joy and living fully in the present because you're dwelling self-righteously on the wrongs that were inflicted in you in the past. It can create or deepen an attitude of distrust or cynicism, qualities that can contribute to hostility, paranoid thinking, as well as overall sense of pessimism. Such a bleak perspective prompts others to turn away from you. It can undermine your physical health. Chronic anger, that is bitterness, can raise your stress baseline, therefore taxing your immune system. There is a price that we pay when we allow bitterness to overcome our hearts. And it's time for us to talk about it, and it's time for us to deal with bitterness. Because bitterness, we pay a price, but bitterness does so much more to the people that are all around us that we don't even realize that we're affecting. Because in your notes, number two, bitterness 
poisons others. Roots never stay in your yard. It always spreads to the yards of everyone else. And your roots of bitterness will spread to the people that you want to be most close in your life, but it repels them because it affects the people that are all around you. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, it says, See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God, and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. The word defile, I want to bring up the Greek word for defile. I butchered it first service, so I'm not even going to try it this service. Pray for me. I'm really bad at these words. You still love me? All right. This is what it means. It means to stain, to pollute, to contaminate. You see, we live in a, a culture where everyone celebrates bitterness, and they believe it should be broadcasted. My life revolves around the anger and bitternesses, and then I invite others to participate in my bitterness by the things that I post online so that everyone can see how mad I am, and they can see how right I am, and they can see how hurt I am, and I don't know what that does. But it's not gonna help you to get over bitterness. Jeff Benzo, the CEO of Amazon, says this. He says, people lose their kindness gene when they get behind a keyboard. <laughs> they seem so nice. I've seen some of the nicest people. I saw this really lovely older lady a couple weeks ago. Just so sweet, so kind. And then I saw a Facebook post last week. <sighs> Hear this. Hatred and holiness cannot coexist in the same heart. When we invite people into our bitterness, we're becoming a stumbling block for them in their pursuit of faith and peace. Bitterness is a big deal. A bitter person can destroy a small group. A bitter family member can divide that family. Someone that's bitter at your job can cause a toxic environment at the workplace. A bitter spouse can ruin a marriage. Bitterness does not just affect us with all the things I talked about, but it affects the people and poisons the people around us. So how do we kill the root of bitterness? In your notes, number one, we must expose the objects of your bitterness. Ephesians 5.11, it says, have nothing to do with fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. We have to actually look at the core of our being and see what is it, what's the event, who is the person, what is causing the bitterness and the pain and the wound to cause me to be paralyzed and stuck where a place I can't grow, develop, and be all that God's called us to be. For some people, they may be bitter because they lost a parent to COVID or a close friend. They're bitter at God. Maybe you're bitter of your older sibling because your parents favored them and they could do no wrong. There's times I've met with people in their 60s and 70s. They go, oh, I remember when I was eight years old. My brother could do no wrong. And they've lived their life where that's the core of their being, looking back at how 
They were the one that were left out. They were the one that wasn't favored. And it becomes a bitter root. It could be a coworker that got the promotion that you know you deserved. It could be the woman that's now dating your ex even though you want nothing to do with your ex, but you're mad at her for dating him. It could be a spouse who because of time and hurt that this spouse is now upset with you and each other and you don't even talk and look at each other when you're having the dinner together. What's the core root of bitterness that may be in your heart? In your notes, you cannot heal from what you're unwilling to admit. You have to start by praying that God will show you the areas of hurt and bitterness. I wanna be honest with you, I'm always transparent. But I wrote a book about the roller coaster that I had in ministry over these past 30 years. And let me tell you, there's times where it's been a difficult journey. So many people, they think, if I could just get into misery, then it would be easy. Because then I don't have to deal with the world anymore. And we just pray together all day. And we worship the Lord all day. Yeah, we do that. We pray. We, we worship. But I want you to know, there's also disappointments. There's also times where you feel betrayal. There's times that you feel disappointed. There's times where church people have risen up against me where it's like, my goodness, where I can't do anything right, I can't do anything wrong, I don't know what I'm doing. And it's a journey that can cause hurt and bitterness. And for me, where I found it most was I would find my bitterness towards the Lord. God, this isn't fair. I'd lay down everything to be a minister for you. Why is this happening to me? And what the Lord spoke so clearly was, Glenn, pull up your big boy pants. (laughs) Suck it up, buttercup, because welcome to life. Life is full of disappointments. Life is full of hurts. But God is always good. God is always right on time. What is it in your heart that's separating you from the love and the joy and the peace that can only come from the Lord? Listen, we live in an upside down kingdom. Jesus modeled what to do and how to to prosper, how to succeed, how to love. The Christian way of life is the opposite of culture. Culture says, if they did you wrong, you do them wrong back and do it worse than what they did to you. The word of God says, if someone slaps you, turn the other cheek. We can't wipe these scriptures out. I know a lot of you, I know liquid paper's gone now, but you know, remember liquid paper? You wanna white out the things? You see, we have to kill bitterness with love. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, it says, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. So what do we do? How do we deal with it? How can we heal? We have to, number one in your notes, cancel their debt. The wages of sin is death. What do we all deserve because of our sin is death. But so often we keep a record of all the wrongs that everyone has done to us and we wanna punish them to pay the debt that we feel that they owe us. The word of God is clear. 
cancel the debt and forgive them and don't look back and say, oh, I got a running total here, buddy. Oh, you screwed up again. See, that's not real love. Matthew chapter 18, we see where there's a servant and a master. And the servant owed the master all of this money, and he was begging, please forgive this debt, forgive this debt. And the master forgave the debt. But then the master saw what this servant did to his person. And this other person owed him a fraction of the money that this other servant owed. But yet he wanted him punished until that debt was paid. Let's pick this up in Matthew 18, 32. It says, you wicked servant. He said, I canceled all of their debt because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured. Until he should pay back all he owed, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of us unless you forgive your brother or sister in your heart. But they deserve my anger. I'm right, they're wrong. I said it the first week. Jesus turned over the tables one time. Jesus at the wedding, when they came and said, we're out of wine, Jesus didn't go, oh, you bunch of alcoholics, flipping over the tables. He didn't say that. He turned the water into wine. You see, Oftentimes we pick out one day in the ministry of Jesus and say, that's what I want to be. I'm mad, and I have a right to be mad. This is the way I'm going to live mad. Look at the other 1,277 days of Jesus Christ's public ministry. He was an instrument of peace. He was a healer of the sick. He was a friend to the foreigner. He was a forgiver to the sinner. So do we live a life of revenge or do we live a life of peace and forgiveness? Lay down the hurt. Make this the day I choose to forgive the debt. And then go a step further, the last point in your notes. What do you need to do? What do we need to do? We need to bless your offender. Whoa! All right, pastor. I know it's the 4th of July. What, do you have some fireworks up in the middle of the night? What are you preaching here? Bless your offender. Jesus spoke it in Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 27. He says, but to you who is listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. And then it goes on to say, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Is that hard? It's hard. But is that the way of the Lord? It's the way of the Lord. The word bless, I'll bring that word up now as well in Greek. It means to speak well of. Have you ever heard somebody that's offended you and someone comes and they're saying good things about that person and something inside of you is like, I need to bust their little bubble. They're not as great as this person thinks they are. And you're tempted to say something negative, but instead go the way of the Lord and say, you know what? They are a wonderful person. God loves them. God bless them. It's a different way of living. But one of the reasons why we're struggling with the root of bitterness is because we, can, we tend to compare our sin to other people's sin. And we'll say, well, my sin is not anywhere close to their sin. Mine's just a little white sin, little white lie, little white 
Friday night in the bar. Just a l- But listen, the word sin, it comes from an archery word that means to miss the mark. And so when we look at sin, we can't compare because God sees sin as sin. And so whether someone misses the mark by an inch or they miss the target altogether, God sees it as sin. When you realize that what we've been given is grace and that God's heart is for us to begin to share grace and to forgive. But the last thing I wanna talk about just very briefly, something that so many people struggle with is bitterness towards yourself. So many people, they look back at the way they were when they were younger and they just can't get over it. Maybe they feel, well, God forgave me, but I just can't forgive myself. And you find yourself angry and bitter and constantly living in your past failures, your past way of living, your past sin, things that you feel like you didn't measure up. I want you to know, and I'm gonna be transparent, that's been the hardest thing for me in my journey. Yeah, I I have high standards for the people around me, but I am hardest on Glenn Davis. I look back, I wrote a book about this, you know, chronicling what I went through, but I look back at eight years ago, 10 years ago, when I took over the church, I felt like there was nothing I was doing was right. I would walk off the stage 10 years ago, people would shake my hand and say, that was a great word. I would get in the car and I would look in the mirror, literally, and I'd say, that was terrible. Nobody's gonna come back next week. What's wrong with you? And then I would constantly beat myself up, feeling like a failure, looking back at all I didn't do right. And God said, stop doing that because I created you the way that you are with a purpose and a plan. And then my brother dies and I go into depression. The pastor, I'm not allowed to do that. And I find myself on Sunday morning back in 2014 telling you how to live your life, telling you how to be filled with joy and peace of the Lord, how to overcome grief. And I would go home and lock myself into my room, shut the blinds, and living a life of despair. I was stuck. I was stuck. And there's a lot of people in here today, you feel stuck. I want to admonish you to say this. God wants you unstuck. And the rest of my story unfolded with when I really surrendered all of that bitterness of my own personal hurt, my own personal disappointments, and allowed God to truly restore my heart. When God restored my heart, what he did was he filled me with passions I'd never experienced for the last decade. He filled me with joy that I hadn't felt in literally two, three years. And he allowed me to see that when he made Glenn Davis, he did good. I want to speak that to you. When you look in the mirror, I want you to look in the mirror and not see your past failures, not see your past hurts, not feel so upset with who you were, but to begin to look at who you are. You are redeemed by the blood of the lamb. 
and the word of your testimony. You are healed and whole. God's got a plan and a purpose for your life. You are fearfully and wonderfully made by Christ himself. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, God knew you. And when he created you, he created a good thing. But yet so often we look in the mirror and all we can see is our flaws. Receive this word. Lay down the bitterness you feel towards you. And when you begin to allow the grace of God to fill your heart, he'll bring peace to your soul. He'll take the weight that you've been carrying off of you because the word says to give your cares to him. He can take it. But ultimately, he wants you to know that when you give it to him, don't pick it back up. The, the seed of bitterness, the root of bitterness, when you give it to God, you know what? You may have to give it to him 20,000 times a day. But what will happen is in about a month from now, you do it every day, it'll be like 15,000 times a day. And then after another month, it, it may be like 10,000 times a day. But what you're doing is you're giving it to him. When it comes up, oh no, I am not picking up that root. I'm giving it to the Lord. I am not feeling shame today for something I did 25 years ago. I've given it to the Lord. I'm redeemed. I'm whole. I'm forgiven. Receive it and allow all bitter roots go to God and off of you. I want to close with this. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31. It says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind, compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. How great is our God. He's righteous. He's good. He's perfect. Allow the perfect love of Jesus Christ to permeate your heart, to bring healing at the very core of who you are, to allow Jesus Christ to be glorified in the way that we speak, the way that we live, in the way that we love. Can you say amen? I thought we'd be a good, good day today to close with a worship song. Can we all stand together and let's truly give God glory together for how good he is to each one of us today.
You see, that's what God does in our life. He takes what the enemy meant for evil for us, and he turns it for good. I want everybody just to close your eyes. You can stay standing. But I know for some people today, this hits you right between the eyes. And you've never known how to fully accept the grace of God. The grace of God is his favor that we don't deserve. So many people, they feel like, I don't deserve it because of this. I don't deserve God's favor because of that. God's saying, I freely show my grace to you, not because of how good you are, but because of how good Christ is. But it's up for you to receive the grace of God. It's for by grace that we're saved through faith in Jesus Christ. And when we truly receive this grace, shame goes away, the past goes away, and it's a start over to really walk out the calling of God in our life. But it starts by receiving his grace. If you're here today, every head bow, every eye closed for a moment. When I count to three, you wanna be in this prayer as we close this service, I wanna encourage you to just respond by raising your hand. You wanna receive God's grace, his peace, his joy. Hands are already going up. Raise your hand when I count to three. One, two, three. Thank you. Raise it up high. Father, you see our hands and our hearts. We want more of you. Heal your people from the root of hurt and pain at the very core of their being. Cover it with your grace. Cover it with your peace. And fill them with your joy, I pray. Can we all pray together for the sake of all those that raise their hand today? Lord Jesus, today I receive your grace. I thank you that my past is gone and I'm a new creation. Forgive me of my sins. I give you my heart. You're my Lord. You're my Savior. You're my God. In Jesus' name, amen. I wanna invite the prayer team to come up to the front. If you need prayer for anything today, we're here to stand with you. How many want more of Jesus in every part of your life this week? Father, we want more of you, less of us. As we walk out these doors, we walk into our mission field. Use us to bring glory to your name and bless your people as we go. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, church. I love you so much.